0: Practical Wisdom, Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening wherever you are in this beautiful world. My name is Scott Allen and I am the host of Phronesis Practical Wisdom for Leaders. I am an associate professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, a speaker, a nonprofit founder, and the host of two podcasts. I'm also a husband and dad of three. You just heard from Kate, my daughter, who wrote and performed the Phronesis intro. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover timely, relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Now, I am proud to share that Fernesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ilaglobalnetwork.org. If you like what we're up to, please click subscribe so you can stay up to date as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others. And now, today's show. Everybody, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I have Elena Antonokopoulou she is the founder and director of gnosis an international interdisciplinary and independent research and leadership development institute she has had professional appointments at a number of universities liverpool manchester warwick and she currently holds visiting professional appointments at western university in canada at the university of lincoln in the uk and the royal norwegian air force academy you are all over the world. I love this. I love this. She has been published in the world's best journals, the Academy of Management, Learning and Education, Journal of Management Studies, the British Journal of Management, Journal of Management Inquiry, Management Learning. She has co-edited five books. I think we're going to touch on maybe one or two of those today. She is a certified coach with the International Coach Federation And she is involved in all kinds of things. To get a little more information on Elena and to learn about how to connect with her, you can look at the show notes. But Elena, what do you do in your spare time when you are not around the world and writing papers and engaging in think tanks and coaching others? And wow. Well,
1: (laughs) I do have a life, believe it or not. (laughs) Well, I love my long walks, um, meditating while I walk with my um, mate, uh, Dexter, the dog, who you have seen before the start of the show. Uh, And when I am in my fitness mode, which I have to accept that I haven't been as intensively engaged in the course of the lockdown with all the conferences that that uh, implies, I like to spend time. In the um, company of my friends, um, either doing um, uh, Zumba dancing, salsa, bachata dancing, boxing and Pilates and all sorts of fitness uh, regimes. So I do I do live a full life. And of course, I have two children, which ensure that I don't have any time for myself. <laughs> <of> the time.
0: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, we met because you reached out to me and I believe the email said something to the effect of. You have this this podcast called Phrenesis, and you have not even explored what that word means. And (laughs) this is my area of expertise. So I wrote you back and I said, well, you are the person I need to know. (laughs) I've had a few people. In fact, yesterday I had someone say I should change the name. And I've had a few people kind of wonder about the origins. Elena, the origin is very, very simplistic. Okay. Can I tell you the story? And it's a little bit embarrassing potentially for someone who has expertise in this space like you do. (laughs) There is a jazz band called Phronesis. And I thought, wow, that is the coolest name for a jazz band. So I looked up the, the definition of the word. And of course, you can look and see different versions, but it, you know, practical wisdom. So I always just loved that word, but I didn't necessarily study or understand the depths to the degree that you do. And some of the other words that are associated with it, right? Because we're going yeah. to Aristotle here.
1: Oh, very much. We're going yes. to Aristotle and Nicomachean ethics. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So
0: I think the the origin of it is that I loved the word and I loved the notion of practical wisdom. I loved the notion of blending in some ways, scholars, academics, and based on those conversations, what can we take from the learning? So I'm excited to sit and listen to you talk a little bit about phrenesis and talk a little bit about maybe even some of your uh, thoughts and observations on words that are adjacent in terms and concepts that are adjacent sure. to it. So
1: uh, I am doubly excited because in reaching out to you was, in fact, to con- as I said in my email to you to congratulate you on enabling the community of leadership scholars to celebrate a concept that it it is at the essence of what leadership means. And I'm not the only scholar in our field who celebrates that connection. My colleagues uh, and and now um, the people I will be more actively working uh, with at the Leadership Institute at Ivy Business School in Western University in Canada, have developed the leader character agenda where they embedded phronesis and practical wisdom at the core of what it means to develop leader character, to demonstrate leader character. And colleagues in Norway, like Olaf Iceland, have written extensively on that. Colleagues in, in Oxford have written uh, about So I'm only one of many colleagues who have appreciated that there are certain treasures, both in language in philosophy and in life that if we bring more to the forefront of our awareness we can actually use in this most critical of moments as we rewrite the future of humankind if i dare say so to to celebrate why practical wisdom is an essential and practical tool a means by which we can live life and understand leadership in the process so, so
0: well said so well said so take us a little bit back to aristotle and his way of thinking and even maybe some some concepts that would be adjacent that we would see in his work.
1: Of course. The late John Schotter was a wonderful philosopher and practitioner who understood the essence of phronesis, but he wrote with my friend and collaborator, Haridimos Tsukas, who he is very embedded within a phronetic orientation, both as a scholar and as an educator. So he is definitely uh, much more knowledgeable than than I am. But but as I said uh, already, I mean, people like I uh, Olaf Eichland, have written books uh, and, and actually know Aristotle's work better than many Greeks put together. Uh, and he's Norwegian, which is why I, I, I appreciate him dearly. But again, just let's be practical. What you set out to achieve here, which is really the celebration of what this podcast is intending to provide, is that you bring to the fore the notion of phronesis. And phronesis in Aristotle's notion, if we go back to Nicomachean ethics, was what he understood as the the reasoned and true state of capacity to act with Mm. regard to human goods. Now, there are many, I mean, we could actually have multiple uh, podcasts on the roots and extensions of the concept. And this, this can be found in some of the stuff I've written because like many others, I had to go and trace the development of the concept before I too brought it in my leadership research. But again, staying focused, phronimus, in Greek means uh, good, well behaved.
0: Ah.
1: Okay. So I've I've learned as I grew up many a times, be a good girl. Ah. Eleni, Elena, phronimi. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear the <laughs> indentation in my word? Uh, so there is almost kind of an expectation that that you conduct yourself. It's not just behavior. Huh? Ah. So it's really how do you come to be who you are? So Veronymous is someone who is not just acting well uh, or is governed by some moral and ethical grounds and and principles, but it's also someone who creates with the intent to serve the common good. Ah. And McIntyre, I I guess, was one of those who, Alistair McIntyre, who who developed this even more in in bringing it, um, you know, with his notion of after virtue. But simply put, if anyone wanted to understand what phronesis is, we can use uh, notions like discernment, practical syllogism, insight, wisdom, virtue, moral excellence. But the thing I want to distinguish and bring to the conversation and appreciation of the concept, because that's exactly what I saw you achieve with all the podcasts I have been enjoying listening to as soon as I discovered you, was that the notion of phronesis is also associated with pieces. Say that again. The notion of phronesis is also associated with the making of things. Peace. Uh, okay. Peace in Greek is a beautiful um, word, uh, as is demiouria, creation. Yeah. And and the beauty of phronesis is not to be understood because you call it practical wisdom. Yeah. And that's the beauty. It's both practical, and it is about wisdom in other yes. words it is both the doing but it is also about the contemplation it is also about the discernment as i said before so for me uh, as i defined it in my own writing phronesis is a creative act mm. especially when navigating the unknown ah and that's where, for me, phronesis matters most, uh, when we are we were coming to situations which are not just paradoxical. And I've heard your other uh, podcast the colleagues rightly point out to complexity and uh, obviously the VUCA and, all, and all, all the rest of it. But with all due respect, I think we're missing the essence of phronesis as that which enables us to engage with the unknown in its own terms. Oh, wow. So it's not just what happens when we're faced with dilemmas, paradoxes, and crucible moments. Of course, that's where our strength of character shines and guides our action choices, which is why we mark it as an act of practical wisdom.
0: Ah, interesting. So can you think of an example in your own life or in maybe events that people would be well aware of maybe it could be history or it could be current events where you see this playing out
1: i think it plays out in our everyday life from whether i will choose to have that extra piece of chocolate that i know i shouldn't but i will (laughs) to all the way to how we engage and interact with each other To me, that's exactly what is beautiful about this concept. It's not about necessarily elevating the expectation that it only belongs uh, to some and not others. Of course, uh, it is about aspiring to develop and and reflect our humanity uh, overall. But in everyday life, let me tell you how I I educate in my leadership development programs uh, for phronesis and with a phronetic orientation. Let me use um, um, a, 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 a typical example. I bring you to a situation where I invite you to think of yourself as an, a practicing junior doctor okay. who is called upon to uh, provide support to an elderly patient at home. Um, on arrival and in the discussion, uh, brief discussion with the patient, you are being told explicitly that that patient would like to die at home. Hmm. And in the course of the examination, you see signs of a cardiac arrest. You now have to exercise action. Of course, you will provide them the support that they need, right? Medical support. Yes. Do you take them to hospital or do you leave them at
0: home? What okay? do your students say? I don't want to answer. <laughs>
1: and no one has to answer. Well, I mean, even doctors don't want to answer because yes. <laughs> it is those junctures where your professional education and therefore, technique, your technical and yes. epistemic, scientific knowledge um, are guiding you in what you choose to do. But yeah. ultimately, your phronesis is what defines what I would call your moment of leadership. Yes. In standing up for what you stand for. Mm. In other words, I would personally, if I was a doctor, although I know the rules would expect me to have taken this patient to hospital because that is the expectation, I would have opted to provide them care to ensure that if indeed these are their final moments, that their wishes are respected.
0: Mm.
1: Now, does this make me a better doctor than someone else who follows the rules? Well the miracle on the Hudson River is one other example that I use to say miracles are called miracles because we step beyond the standard operating procedures yes. and create the conditions which would would have been perceived impossible or too risky to take. So phronesis provides, in fact, that capacity to master almost kind of, uh, and, and it is, of course, rightly associated with strength of character, yeah. because it is about how do you create that uh, sense of stability in yourself, uh, groundedness, in fact, yes. is how I call it, centeredness, so that you are one with the situation and your reflexivity is not an e-jerk reflex reaction, but it is. A way that I found in my research with military, what happens with pilots when they are faced in dangerous situations, they are not flying the plane. They are the plane.
0: Ah, oh, that's an interesting way of phrasing it.
1: Totally. And I see it in everyday life when I drive my car. And of course, many of us have forgotten what driving looks like, which is why (laughs) it's getting a bit of getting used to. But, you know, we don't often think That we, the right judgment when we navigate and negotiate the use of the road with other cars, cyclists, pedestrians, and everything else that may show up unexpectedly. Yeah. But phronesis is that which, I would argue, could and should guide us more to master the temper when someone cuts our way. (laughs) Um, also to consider why is it that, for example, breaking the speed limit, because I'm in a hurry is not something that I would consider. And believe me, I'm, I'm as guilty as charged in my department. <laughs> I hardly have this impression. Don't say that to anyone. huh? That's a secret between you and I. <laughs> I have my Michael Schumacher moments. You say. <laughs> now, does that make me Phronimos? Well, I would argue the capacity to see ourselves and therefore how we act and choose to act is partly what phronesis is about. Hmm. So phronesis is not just about always doing the right thing.
0: Yes. But so it is knowing when we don't. So if Sully needs to land the plane, I imagine there wasn't protocol for landing the plane in the Hudson River.
1: Uh, well, and again, because we've done extensive research in analyzing that case, as many other colleagues and and other professions have found value in in looking at that, um, they say that uh, Scali was uh, was trained to uh, land, you know, in water. Uh, Ah. And and of course, from, again, my my experience of aviation in, in my broader research in the sector affirms the fact that simulation gives them a whole range of terrains to negotiate. It's part of their training. Ongoing, if you will, practicing, which is the other thing which is critical in all of what we are discussing today in relation to phronesis. In this particular case, the expectation was that he should have flown back to the, clear, the nearest airport, Lagarde, from which they departed. And yet, if you followed the film, I think for me, the golden moment was the, the moment he explained that the he eyeballed it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. That's phronesis. If you want the best example of phronesis, is how is it that I come to that moment, call for judgment to act? Yes. He didn't know that he could land the plane safely on the river the river was actively utilized by the boats who were transferring passengers so it wasn't as if it was all calm and clear and we know for a fact that even after the successful landing there were mistakes in that they didn't close some of the pockets and of course that's why the plane started to receive water Mm. but it was also dangerous for the uh, boats that approached the the plane uh, to rescue the passengers when they came out on the wings of the plane if you remember because obviously of the suction effect and and for the disturbance with you know their, their presence, if you will. But but the fact that he broke the standard operating procedures was the thing that the fact was also valuable in the way that this event was captured in in the film yeah. uh, that subsequently was produced, and in that it shows that he took the risk of however many years, forty plus years of experience flying for a few seconds of a choice. But yes. for him. He was compelled to do that and break the rules because his judgment was what guided him to do what was for him the right thing to do. And he proved that it took multiple attempts in the simulator before they could confirm that it was possible to return to the airport.
0: Wow. You mentioned a moment ago practice talk about Yay. practice talk about practice one of my favorite scholars is k anders ericsson he's he's the individual who coined the term deliberate practice and so he wrote about expertise and how people become uh, to put themselves in a situation to work at the highest levels regardless of domain chess or memorization or surgery and it was really interesting because I think there's a lot of connections we could make to leadership and,
1: and oh my practice, yeah. right?
0: But talk about the role of practice in. Right. Thesis.
1: So let, let let's we've done enough Greek lesson. Let's do an English lesson now. <laughs> 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 this is twenty years of scholarships. God, we're. I love it. Idea. I love it.
0: No, and, I, I. I'm so excited. Really po-
1: well, I wouldn't say it cost me my career, but I did put my neck out. I was the scally of my uh, of of the practice based studies debate oh. <laughs> because. Because as I'm sure you know, one of the themes that has populated the leadership debate is the leadership as practice. Yes. And in the same way as there has been a leadership as practice, there has been a strategy as practice and entrepreneurship as practice and many, many other management practices, which somehow the proposition as practice makes that makes them and us see them differently. Yes, uh, Right. Having spent 20 years researching social practice theory and yeah. understanding what it means to look at the praxis, the practitioner, and what it takes to perform an act that we can call a practice,
0: hmm. I
1: concluded that there is a practice we have not understood fully yet, and that's the practice of practice. Now, I've mm. lost your, your listeners by now. And, and I feel like we're is, going
0: down a rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Because the reward in the carrot that awaits you if you pick your, your head up from that <laughs> hole is to recognize that there is a big distinction, and this is where I'm afraid the use of the two concepts with the same spelling is confusing many. There is. It's not about the verb, practicing, yeah with a uh, yeah uh, or and the noun so i'm not playing the waikian notion of organization organizing management managing yeah i am I, of course i respect that immensely and it is part of the process processual unfolding of which Phronesis is also an important element of but i am talking about what happens when we repeat yeah. a doctor is in practice but it's practicing every time they perform a surgery. So you can perform the same surgery a million times and you can still be in a practicing mode. So practice is about repetition, not replication. And I draw on Deleuze, who emphatically highlighted the distinction between uh, uh, repeating and uh, replicating, Yes, in in recognizing that repetition is always about difference. Mm. So for me, practicing is about the leap of faith. So and that's exactly what Sa- 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 Sally had done, right? So yeah. he might have practiced them over forty years, multiple times in simulations for multiple terrain landings. But when he had to rise to the moment, practicing became that very process, which enabled him to try out something that he was not going to be clear from the beginning, it would result to the desirable outcome. But his intention became the impact he worked to deliver. That's why he merits being called a leader
0: Yes, in that moment.
1: So practicing is what we all do all the time in not just mastering any practice, but in choosing how we live.
0: I like that phrasing, in choosing how we live. Yeah, yeah. So when you're having this conversation with students or others, what are some other concepts that you often weave in? What are mm. some other ways of thinking about this or some other topics that? Are adjacent to this conversation.
1: Well, again, I'm going to add another layer of of, of complexity. Now that we are swimming deep,
0: <laughs> we were in a we were in a rabbit hole, and now we're swimming. I love this.
1: Of course, we've always <laughs> been swimming. If, if if you if you play with the uh, Sally analogy, we are very much landing on on a river, and where there is water, there is potential and life. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know.
1: I would say that one of the things which, which mattered a great deal to me in the way in which we would need to advance understanding le- leadership, not just as a practice, but leadership in practice, mm. was how are we are practicing leadership? Okay. And in they are play, staying with the with the water metaphor, is what prompted me to make the two points. First, to see and highlight the ship in leadership. And and you can take it literally and metaphorically. By that, I mean, what platforms do we create so that we collectively grow? And within that, what does this growth mean in terms of advancing our humanity? Which Mm -hmm. I also see as a central aspect of both phronesis. And leadership. Now, there is where we go back to not only discussions around issues of, you know, not moral positions and ethics alone. Of course, we do that. And that's why ideas in and around leader character matter a great deal, because, of course, that's what we tap into and bring in this practicing to figure out, or as as others would say, are in our wayfinding pursuit. Yes. Yes. So practical wisdom is not that in a flip of your finger you come up with the idea. All <laughs> that deliberation before you act and decide that that's the wisest thing to do imp- implicates the practicing? Yes. That is happening whether you're deliberating or as I would say reflexively reassess a situation. In my conversations in my in my leadership development programs in my writing, one of the things that I, I have been particularly keen to see that we understand better is the value of reflexivity, hmm. which is different from just viewing something, reviewing it, or reflecting on it, or in the course of doing it, as Donald Schön would say, reflection in and on action. Yes. So review of you are ways of seeing is a yeah. way a ways of looking. That. Right, So we view things from a particular perspective. Now, froness is, is a critical component in that because it allows us to ponder curiously. Is there more to it? Yes. Second point is review after the event. When yeah. you replay, huh, you literally view it again. Yes. Except this time, the post-rationalization is the danger of interpretative mechanisms like sense-giving. hmm and sense-making, which may post-rationalize and provide explanations that create the truth.
0: Say that one more time.
1: When you review something after the event, you enter in a process of post-rationalization. Now, the danger is, of course, this process of interpretation, akin to what we talk in our field as sense-making and sense-giving, are in equal measure potentially biased views. (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) so so that's my that's the main message there which which says if you look at something be curious and ask is there more if you review something don't just say what has happened but why am i understanding it this way yes and why is it making sense in another way for someone else yes okay there is more to it when you're reflecting on something either whilst you're doing it or after you've done it, reflection has that capacity of questioning your assumptions. Uh. Okay. So you build through your character the confidence to say, now, hold on a second. Why is it that I assume that if I did this, this would have been enough? And, And that's how, going back to the example with which we started, if you were a doctor, you can't assume that only what the rule book says is what is the right thing to do. So everything has to be adapted as things emerge and yes. that's where phronesis matters. But phronesis matters and is manifested even more in our action choices and that's where reflexivity lies. Reflexivity is this moment where we are in a situation fully present so we show up and we are experiencing it by allowing ourselves to feel and, and participate as an insider at the same time, simultaneously, as we have the capacity to extrapolate and see it from an outsider's perspective.
0: Yes. Ron Heifetz might call that getting on the balcony. You're kind of in and out of the game or reflections in practice, like in, in the moment
1: let me let me let me give you a way of looking at it slightly different sure. uh, if you if you, i mean we, we are most of us are stuck in front of the tv watching football these days with the <laughs> you know with the soccer game and the, yes. the, the the world cup and so here is the point when you're in the field of action yes. as a football player you don't really see yes. you're in the game and yet you have to be able to have this panoramic view yes so that you can project that i am ready and for me, the joy is when I watch the players sensuously correspond with one another.
0: Uh, say more about that.
1: Oh my God. Sensuousness is the secret the secret intelligence that I don't think we've even begun to tap into, which is so important to phronesis. Yeah. So many people say, how do you know you've done the right thing? Well, you can wait until after the event or you can actually emplace yourself as you deliver what you do and such emplacement allows the reflexive gaze for you to form a stance and better still stand up for what you stand for that's the new concept in leadership studies that i've been working for the last few years we first developed it in order to explain what does entrepreneurial and entrepreneuring Yes, Uh, And this notion of entrepreneurship as a practice, how can we understand it? And that's where we explored emplacement as an extension of enactment and embodiment. Hmm. Because emplacement is our entanglement in the event, enough, though, for us to be able to practice our response whilst responding reflexively yeah, accounting for that which emerges.
0: So Elena, what is your background? Because you have such a wide variety of experiences, knowledge that you are bringing to one space. Talk about that a little bit. You've been embedded in business schools. You've published in management journals. You talk about your background that brings this very expansive perspective to the space.
1: Thank you, Scott. It both is strength and a curse, as they say. I am very curious as a person. In fact, if you ask me what do you specialize in, I will often say I am a learning scholar. (laughs) Ah, ah, And I mean it in in the double sense of the word. And more recently, I've I've positioned myself as an axiologist. I'll say something in a minute about that. To me, being a learning scholar is that I have devoted 30 years of my scholarship as faculty in business school to educate. And therefore, I've always cared immensely about the quality of learning experiences and experiences of learning that I was helping to shape and the impact of such learning enough for me to have felt that in doing justice to be the importance of understanding the role of learning in change, in renewal, in growth, be it strategically, organizationally, individually, socially, I needed to tap into anthropology, philosophy, human geography, uh, psychology. I am broadly read. And actually, that has been what made always very difficult for people to only limit me uh, (laughs) because I write on organizational learning broadly and organizational change. And I can sit just as comfortably within colleagues that are within the OBHR, human resource management space as yep. as well as uh, with colleagues in strategy and public policy and and so on and so forth so i am someone that sees entanglement not as a concept but as a way of thinking breathing <laughs> yes and living and what i i actually one of my most important principles in my identity as a scholar is that I practice what I preach. And here is the essence that for me, I can't speak about something unless I lived it. And and that's why you see me so passionate in fighting with colleagues who insisted on practice with a C and I kept insisting on practice with an S. (laughs) (laughs) And at some point it it was called the S and C war.
0: (laughs) Well, as we wind down for today, what are you reading? What are you listening to or streaming that's caught your eye in recent months that you would want listeners to be aware of or to know about?
1: in some respects, uh, I know I, I was cheeky, if I can use that term, to say, having listened to your podcast, yeah. uh, I would certainly encourage uh, listeners to spend time tracing and systematically following the discussions because each one of them is unique and there's so much learning in each of them. And oh. I think if one were to look at body of knowledge that the podcasts are creating, to me, they manifest different dimensions of phronesis. As a concept, and and I love that. So so thank you for for being with me on my walks. <laughs> if I'm not meditating, <laughs> I hear I hear you. I'm listening to you and and uh, you other beautiful people that um, you you featured. Thanks to uh, my friend Sally Newham, I'm reading uh, The Alchemist by uh, Quelho. Although I knew his work on other things, I hadn't actually re- read The Alchemist. So. Thanks to her who presented it to me as a present, she sent it to me at home. Uh, I have that to play with at the moment, but I'm never short of stuff to read. Unfortunately, I'm one of those that always carries enough paperwork. And the reason why I have the Aurora as my background is is I'm so full of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Books? But it wouldn't make for the most uh, tidy background compared
0: to yours. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a great way to be. I was watching a documentary on, I think it was Bill Gates, and he he has a tote of just eight or 10 different books that he is constantly carrying around to learn about different dimensions in the world. But I love your description of yourself as a learning scholar. I think Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. I absolutely think that's wonderful. And You know, I listened to these probably two or three times. So I'm looking forward to re-listening to this episode two or three times and really taking it in. Really, because as you've been told before, I'm sure you're thinking, well, I could say 50,000 feet. I mean, you are looking at this. In a very unique and very cool way, I think.
1: Thank you, Scott. I, I believe that it is in these interactions that we see more in each other than any one of us can see in ourselves. And that's actually the beauty of, of what you have created and, and the, the search for phronesis. We can't be phronymous in and on our own. We yes. need the others to allow us to discover more of what we can bring to the world by being who we are and settling with ourselves in just accepting that we being who we are is enough.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the good work that you do and for advancing our thinking in new realms and new dimensions. I absolutely love it. Have a great day. And I look forward to our paths crossing again soon.
1: I look forward to seeing you again soon, Scott, as well. Thank you for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Be well. You too. (laughs) Thank you.
0: I would be lying if I said that at certain times in that conversation, I wasn't swimming a little bit (laughs) back to this water metaphor. Elena is thinking about uh, leadership and thinking about the world and how we help prepare people to be successful in incredibly challenging scenarios, challenging situations. And I love that. I love engaging in conversations where maybe I don't understand all of it, where I can look back, reflect, and challenge my own assumptions, expand my own thinking. And Elena, you have done that for me, and I'm sure for some of you who are listening. And that is the practical wisdom for me in this conversation that to get new places, to grow, to advance. We have to challenge ourselves to be comfortable engaging in dialogue and conversations where maybe we don't always understand, where we are being stretched to think in new ways. And Elena helped me do that work today. For that, I say thank you for your good work. Thank you for advancing our thinking. And for all of you listening, listen again, (laughs) because you'll hear something new, I promise. Be well, everyone. Bye-bye. You, my friend, have just finished another episode of Phrenesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. To get in touch with me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Now, if you have feedback, I would love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Phrenesis. If you like Phronesis, I have a second podcast. It's called the Captovation Podcast. That's with an O, Captovation Podcast, where I speak with experts on the topic of designing and delivering incredible presentations. And now, Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.